0: This is Crafting the Short Story with your host, author and editor, Darren Todd of DarrenTodd.net. Now, let's explore the agony and the ecstasy, the magic and the mechanics of short fiction. Hello and welcome to Crafting the Short Story. This is episode 20. Sorry for the extremely huge gap between episode 19 and episode 20. I was actually in the middle of moving, still in the middle of trying to sell the house, which is a nightmare if anyone has not yet experienced that. But today what I'm going to be going over are different ways that we, as a habit, as a rule, turn verbs into nouns. I'll call it the nounification of verbs, which is kind of funny because... That is exactly what I did to the word, I suppose you would call it, nounify. If we were going to keep it as a verb, neither one of them actual word, but it illustrates the point. And that is taking a verb and, for whatever reason, making it a noun, either through a certain phrasing or by use of a gerund, which we'll go over. So we're talking about participles and gerunds and these phrases that are also... Uh, ways in which we nounify our verbs, and which I feel end up hurting the actual prose. Uh, But I should say, based on what I've seen, uh, gerunds are a little confusing and always have been to me, I think because they're confusing to everyone else, and therefore I don't see very good descriptions. The best description I saw was when you turn a participle, a verb ending in I-N-G, and use it as a noun. Now, it can also be used as an adjective, and it can also be used as a part of a linking verb, and neither of those is a gerund. From what I understand, it is only when it becomes a noun that it's a gerund. So, all gerunds are participles, but not all participles are gerunds, if that makes sense. But the first part I'm going to deal with are these phrases that end up being used, I think, often either as a way of being clever or a way... Of dancing around a verb that may not fit perfectly or is just a habit of first draft work, which is quite understandable. That's all right. First drafts are going to suck. That's fine. Uh, But it's up to us to actually look and find these things and find how to apply a more suitable verb or simply to take whatever that noun is and turn it back into its verb form. So let's take an example. So consider the sentence, a part of having this discussion was that we weren't dealing with our real problems. It's not a great sentence. It's actually kind of bad, and it's not very clear. It has a couple of participles, having this discussion, there's a to be verb was, and then there was the uh, weren't, which is negative as opposed to positive. I'm not saying that it's bad, simply that it, it uses a negative, and we'll deal with that. And then dealing with our real problems. So we have several participles. What I want to look at in particular is, where is this phrase that is sort of stealing the life out of our verbs and turning it into a noun? So listen again. A part of having this discussion was that we weren't dealing with our real problems. A part of having this discussion. So having this discussion, a discussion being the noun, is just discussing. So... Let's consider it the new way. A part of discussing this was that we weren't dealing with our real problems. That's better. And what I hope would happen in dealing with something like that is that you're going to look and say, okay, well, I've changed this, and it's a little bit better, but now let me try to revise the rest of the sentence, hopefully applying these other, these other rules that I know to apply to something because you know, this, this sort of sentence construction should stand out. It's not a good sentence, and it shouldn't sound good. You should read it and say, well, that's not very good. Let me consider what might be wrong with it. Oh, hey, it looks like I have nounified a verb here. Let me change that. Mm, it still doesn't sound great. A part of discussing this was that we weren't dealing with our real problems. What else could be wrong? Well, a part of is completely superfluous. But then that turns it into discussing this was that we weren't dealing with our real problems that doesn't make any sense so maybe let's take out that was and give it a better verb discussing this meant we weren't dealing with our real problems better definitely getting better we still have a negative in there which there's nothing wrong with that and then by negatives i mean don't won't can't shouldn't things like that i think having them used excessively twice in the same sentence for instance can confuse And i don't mean a double negative by that as in Uh, Something that is not grammatical. This is grammatical. But it still is sort of conveying the opposite of what you want to convey and hoping that the reader is going to, to, to immediately pick up on that. This is not what I am talking about as opposed to this is what I am talking about. So sometimes, if it still doesn't sound perfect, you can apply positive instead of a negative. So let's do that. Discussing this meant we were avoiding our real problems. Okay, definitely getting better. How about uh, losing the participle we were avoiding? Unless it matters. If it's continuous action and it actually matters, then, then by all means keep it. But oftentimes you can look at that and say, okay, well, I've got the, you know, uh, a to be verb here as a linking verb preceding a participle. Is this something that I can get rid of and lose nothing? And if the answer is yes, then do it. So the end, the end being, discussing this meant avoiding our real problems. A much more potent sentence than in the beginning. In the beginning, a part of having this discussion was that we weren't dealing with our real problems. So, a much better version after we addressed all those problems. Okay, but like I said, sometimes getting rid of this nounification is tougher than it seems, especially if the verb that you are reclaiming then changes the meaning of the sentence. Consider this. He couldn't resist giving me information when he was enjoying a few drinks. So what's the impression here? The impression is that this is some sort of informant, maybe for a police officer or an agent or something like that, and when he is lubricated by a few drinks, he then starts to spill his guts and do his job as acting as informant. Let's look for that phrase that is nounifying our verb. He couldn't resist giving me information when he was enjoying a few drinks. Giving me information. Informing. That's, a, that's the verb that it should be, as opposed to giving me information. But now it's, he couldn't resist informing me when he was enjoying a few drinks. Well, more than likely, the way that's going to be taken is that it's some guy who's calling or texting or letting someone know, maybe a friend, that, hey, he's having a few drinks. As in, why don't you come join me? And that's not what we want to convey. That doesn't say that this guy's an informant for an officer or whatever. So let's keep working on it. First of all, we have a couple of things in here that are a little trite, not too bad, but could be changed. And again, yeah, what I'm trying to do here is that introducing, reintroducing, let's say, the verb that should have been there in the first place might bring up some other things that can be changed, such as it should be. So he couldn't resist, couldn't resist Little Trite, informing me that he was enjoying a few drinks. Enjoying a few drinks, Mildly Trite was enjoying. So there's a couple things there that, that could be better. Let's lose the negative and maybe the participle at the end as well. Do that, why don't we flip it around a little bit. I know it's a pretty good habit, too, to have in your tool belt the ability to take something in the third person and avoid starting every sentence with she or he. Or in the first person, avoid starting every sentence with I. Now, the way that most people do this, the way I see very commonly done, is that it begins with a participle which introduces simultaneous action and then goes into some action that is not simultaneous. Nodding, she walked out the door into her car. Well, that's problematic because if you think about that as simultaneous action, it's pretty silly a person nodding the entire time they're exiting the door and going into the car. Uh, that is what it's literally saying. As a, and, and all that to avoid saying, she nodded, comma, and then walked out the door into her car. But there are other ways that you can begin a sentence with something other than he, she, I, and not have to rely so heavily on the participle. For instance here, after enjoying a few drinks, he would always keep me informed. So, maybe. This still could be taken, possibly, as someone who is informing the person about the drinks, not keeping the person informed about, you know, as a source, or something like that. Let's go back to the original. He couldn't resist giving me information when he was enjoying a few drinks. So, it doesn't say a whole lot about the informant, other than the person has a penchant for drinking, and maybe is just, wants to inform but just needs to have an excuse to, or maybe is exceptionally poor and just wants someone else to buy the drinks for him or her, for, well, I guess for him in this case. We don't know. So we need to keep on working, let's say the same angle, in the same way. After enjoying a few drinks, he would give up anyone. So this is very different. This is getting rid of. Inform. Having been pulled out of. Giving me information. But when informing can mean something different. Sometimes you got to try a different verb. And yet, give up to give someone up in this context is pretty clear. He would give up anyone. It certainly isn't going to be taken as he would give up anyone as in a love interest or something like that. No, no. It means that he is ratting someone out. It means he is giving up information on someone. Or in another way, let's say we scratch the participle altogether at the beginning. So let's say in another way, scrapping the participle at the beginning entirely, a few drinks, and he would inform on his own mother. It's another way. We're just Again, we're, we're pulling inform back into it, as opposed to giving the information. Uh, we could even incorporate, you know, on his own mother. You know, that's it's not too trite. But, uh, it, you know, it certainly says something about his, the thinness of his moral fiber, that uh, it doesn't take a whole lot, and he's willing to give up any, anything on anyone. But you could go back to the other one, too. A few drinks, and he would give up anyone. And that's fine, too. Both of them immensely superior to he couldn't resist giving me information when he was enjoying a few drinks. So the other issue with nullifying verbs is that you introduce a lot of linking verbs. Was, were, had, have, etc. And these verbs aren't terribly telling, for one thing, and they jump off the page somewhat for editors uh, because there is usually a better verb that can be used now with linking verbs a little different it's not like you were saying something as a state of being verb and you're just saying you know he was tall or or something equally telly as opposed to showing uh or that stands out as being just completely unoriginal linking verbs there's a lot more leniency given to it but i will still say that they are not preferable to finding a better a better construct so, for example, drinking coffee was a part of her morning ritual. So we're starting with a gerund, drinking, and uh, we have, as a part of that, a to be verb. Now, in this case, you could replace the was. It's not like the was is absolutely necessary. Drinking coffee became a part of her morning ritual. Drinking coffee comprised her, her morning ritual, whatever. It's not, you know, as if you, you are stuck with the was in that case. But in getting rid of the gerund, you could also rid yourself of the to be verb easily. Let's say instead of drinking coffee was a part of her morning ritual, she drank coffee as part of her morning ritual. So we take drinking noun and turn it into drank verb. And granted, it did start with she. So uh, I think the first construct is not the end of the world. If uh, you are trying to avoid the she, she, she or he, he, he construction, Certainly beats a participle mentioned earlier, indicating simultaneous action for a not-simultaneous series of actions. Let's consider one more. Fishing was what I wanted to be doing. Not very telling. I mean, the person wants to be doing something else. What is he currently doing? Who knows? Uh, Why does he want to do something else? Uh, It's a little wordy. Two to be verbs here. Was to be doing If you were to remove the jar in there, just begin with the I, first person, it could be as simple as, I wanted to leave work and fish. Or, I wanted to leave work and go fishing. Now, here is a possible consequence of getting rid of the nounification of those verbs. It's telling, it's clear, but it's not terribly exciting, is it? So, one consequence of changing that around could be that you'll find your writing... It's stale necessarily, but just lacks pizzazz. Well, again, I would say that if it didn't work and fishing was not what I wanted to be doing, doesn't work, and then you change it to something that does work in a more concise and clear fashion, I wanted to leave work and fish, and yet it still lacks pizzazz, then you might want to restructure the entire thing. Those are the kind of sentences where. If it is a hang up for you, if you read it and you know that it could be better, start applying those rules that you've learned and those and those you know, looking at it and saying, Oh, well, I have a gerund here. Maybe that's part of what the problem is. Let me solve that. Well, it still doesn't sound great. Then that's when you reconstruct the entire sentence, perhaps. I came up with my mind left work, cast a line into the water, and cracked a beer without me. So that's much better. It conjures an image. It tells you a lot more about the character. So his mind left work. Makes you think maybe he's in a really boring meeting. Not something where he's at work and it's very stressful and that's why he wants to be fishing. No, it's something that is mundane that has him daydreaming. And is very specific about what he would like to be doing and, and what that would mean to him. So those are just a few examples of this nanification of verbs that seems to pervade a lot of writing nowadays. And again, I think that remedying that problem can sometimes be very easy. Sometimes it's simply a matter of reclaiming that verb and putting it in there. Other times it's going to start a sort of domino effect that will quickly highlight what your other problems are within your sentences. But treat that as a good thing. Yes, it sucks to have to rewrite a sentence five or six times just to get it right, but there was a reason it sounded wrong to you to begin with. Trust that ear that you're developing, begin to fix those problems, and eventually you'll have a sentence of far better construction than what you started out with. This has been Crafting the Short Story with Darren Todd. Visit Darren online at darrentodd.net.